To you it's just a game, for me it's all I know I make them remember my name before I have to go Losing, I can't fathom, that's a champion's passion Confidence never lacking, drop the beat, let's attack them They be checking for the content, you tired of that nonsense No gimmicks, break limits, quality is I promise This is more than a show, this is a way of life Cause the game as it grows, takes us to higher heights Check the stats before you check me And don't tell me who the greatest if you don't know the history Robert Ramon and Carlos the new big three and if the pins ain't from them don't bring them to me because i go off like a rocket launcher man i just ain't the beat i'm a real monster i can hear the crowd chanting mvp that's my mantra here's a standing on for the opinionated bench warmers welcome to the opinionated bench warmers podcast episode 81 your opinionated benchwarmers are back for another edition of the podcast. We just want to start off by saying we appreciate our supporters and the followers on O underscore benchwarmers on our Instagram. And we appreciate everybody that's subscribing and leaving reviews upon our platforms. Remember, we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher, just to name a few. But just make sure that you're subscribed on whatever platform that you like to choose. Today, we got Ramon in here, of course. As always, our other brother that we always do this thing with, Los, is out today, but me and Ramon playing on holding it down. What's up, Ramon? What's up, man? Good to be here, man. Good to be recording another episode, making it all the way to 81 episodes, man. Not not everyone does that, so I'm appreciative of that, man. 81 of them things, man. 81 of them things, being consistent. Um, And as you mentioned, man, we're going to hold it down for Los today. Uh, we're going to make sure we knock out these topics. And like I say, I never like to hold it too long, man. You already came with a good intro and everything. So I'm going to let us get right on to it, bro. Well, after this weekend, our last episode of Wild Weekend has transpired. So I think that it's only appropriate that we start there. And it was it didn't disappoint, man. We saw a lot of great games transpire. We saw the emergence of potential stars. We saw a lot of guys redeem themselves. So I guess we will start with uh, just recapping those weekends. We did have our predictions. I didn't. I should have got our records on it. I think you went four and two, right? Four and two. I think I went three and three. Three and three. And I'm thinking Los might have, off the top of my head, might have went three and three as well, but I don't totally remember. But yeah, it was close. I think you, yeah. Yeah, if you're a listener, you following us, man, make sure you follow O underscore Bench Ones. We did post our – uh, predictions for this past weekend of the games that we planned on have that that transpired and we did put them up as documentation so just go back and have fun with it compare it to see if we know what we're talking about uh i'm pretty sure this weekend for the divisional week round weekend we'll have another posting of predictions and see you know how we fare we'll get into that in the podcast but let's first start off with uh, I hate to do it to you, Ramon. <laughs> Let's start off with the Colts and the Bills, man. Yeah, man. uh, a close game 24 27 by the Bills, but it kind of felt like that game. Uh, Phillip Rivers didn't make too many mistakes, uh, as I could hmm. see, uh, besides throws, he didn't turn the ball over, so I mean, that's a plus. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is an emerging star, I'm sure that you're happy with what he did in it with 74 yards rushing, um, but. Th- 
you know, even then, I mean, I think that the Bills was just overall the better team, I would say. Um, I, it was low, lower scoring than I thought it would be. But, I mean, what did you see in the game, man? Uh, what I saw in the game, um, and obviously, too, seeing things from a coach perspective, uh, I saw a lot of points that were left on that field um, in that game. Missed opportunities. Uh, when you get out into, you know, the red zone, you have to punch it in. You have to score. And I thought, you know, we got a little bit desperate early, even though I, I won't say that that four down call was a bad call because a lot of people have been scrutinizing that. The play was there and Phillip Rivers just didn't make that. Um, but I thought that philosophy wise, I thought that we came into the game feeling that Buffalo was the better team. Um, and I say it from this aspect, you know, we came into the game, of course, we wanted to control clock. Uh, we wanted to, you know, make sure we ran the ball effectively. Every, pretty much every play was almost seeming like we were going to get a delay of game because Phillip Rivers was waiting to to get the ball snapped with one second left or, or zero being on the clock. But I felt that a lot of things that we were doing, that we came in feeling like we were the inferior team, especially the inferior team offensively. Um, to be the Bills got off to a relatively slow start offensively, and then things kind of picked up uh, right before half. Uh, going into halftime, I thought that that game should have, the score should have more so reflected, you know, 17 to 7 or 17 10. And uh, the Bills actually went into halftime with the, with the lead. I think it was 14 uh, to 10 or maybe 14 13, one of those two at the end of the first half. Um, I thought that Josh Allen. Uh, him being a dual threat guy really showed up. There were a lot of plays to me where he was able to extend the play with his legs. And then, you know, those receivers made some big time catches, uh, some questionable catches, but ultimately I think that they were actual catches that they made. So, I mean, looking at the perspective, I do believe that Buffalo probably is the better team out of the two teams, but Colts had every chance to win that game. Um, and just didn't make the critical plays, the key throws, you know, the fourth down missing that, you know, a critical third down where Phillip Rivers also didn't hit his receiver. And I think that that's what it pretty much came down to. But it still overall was a good game. And I'm pretty sure if you weren't a fan of one of those two teams, then you were pretty entertained by it. I'm glad you mentioned the duality of Josh Allen because he led his team in rushing. That's not saying much. He had 11 rushes for 54 yards, which came from him. Of course, he does. They do have a lot of run design for him. But as you mentioned, him extending the play. But let's keep it real. Uh, Zach Moss, as a rookie, I think that he's promising. But I think more so Devin Singletary, which is I think he's a second year back, maybe second or third. Is yeah, somewhere around second there, I year. Second I can't third remember year. exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, they're relatively young backs, but uh, you have to think to yourself, um, are the are those backs who they are? Now, Zach Moss gets a pass, of course, because it's his first year. But the thing about the Bills that has been a long-going story is that they're they're not a good rushing team. And, you know, that's on, that relies on Zach Moss and Singletary. So you got Josh Allen leading your team in rushing, who's not particularly a Lamar Jackson, who's just, you know, special. But he does have that ability. I think that it is kind of alarming when you watch the Bills advance in the playoffs because rushing is a big part of the playoffs. And, excuse me, and being that they're not able to do it, I don't know if they're in trouble. 
Now, on the flip side, you know, Stephon Diggs was nothing short of amazing. His amazing year, he's been the best receiver so far this year, led the league in receiving this year. Um, I think that he's been, you know, him and Josh Allen were just a, a match made in heaven almost. It's peanut butter and jelly, man. It just This is Stephon's yeah. first dig, which is an NFL record that he has led the league in receiving. Can you just speak upon maybe their type of – what what they got going on it just makes them connect so well yeah i think it's just one of those things where they have the, just the right understanding of each other you know even in some of those plays where josh allen is extending the play and you know at a certain point a receiver is no longer in there of course initial route and they're you know just figuring out it's pretty much what they call you know a scramble drill a lot i feel that they're on the same page in that and you just saw it play after play, even when things were initially stopped and the initial route wasn't successful, they still find a way to extend it, still find a way to get open. And Josh Allen, to me, his accuracy has even improved and gotten oh, yeah. so much better. He, so I think I saw an interesting nugget is that he actually improved 10% on his QBR this season, which yeah. is the highest. And I want to say, I, I want to say that it's highest in NFL history, if not highest jump our improvement just yep. in general in the season. So, I mean, that's that's quite interesting there. He has improved. And Josh Allen, I passed on you twice. Ramon, I passed on him twice in our fantasy yeah. league that we get, our redraft league yeah. that we do, the Peanated Bitch Woman's Podcast League. I passed on him twice, and I really, really regret that because he had an amazing season. Uh, there's right. always next year, but I, I well, doubt he falls to the fourth round next right. year. Right. What I will give you credit on, just you you may have passed on in, in the fantasy draft, but I will give you credit that years ago when we were going into that draft where it was him, Sam Darnold, our boy Josh Rosen and all that, yeah. you said that Josh Allen would be the best quarterback out of those guys. Wow. So I will give you that. I will let the listeners know that years <laughs> ago, so you can give yourself a pat on the back yeah. right now, years ago you called that he would be the best quarterback out of that draft class when it didn't seem like he would be that guy. So well, I appreciate you, my brother. So we're going to – we're going to be spending so much time on this because it does involve your favorite team. We'll do the same with my Saints. Unfortunately, because Los is not here, we won't be able to discuss the Rams because that's his team. But let's talk about the Colts, man. I mean, I think that y'all have a lot to hang your head up – I mean, to not hang your head, rather. But you have Phillip Rivers, who looks like he has a lot more football left in him. I don't know. That's your – I'm going to let you speak on that. Uh, but – you also have Michael Pittman, who showed very, very – he emerged as the number one receiver despite uh, T.Y. Hill. Yeah. And Paris Campbell has been injured majority of the season. He'll be back next year. Uh, your defense is, is – I think your defense is good. I, but, again, you know, Hooker, you know, he can't stay healthy. Yeah. And, and Rocky Sin is very promising, but he was nicked up. Yeah, yeah. But y'all a very decent team. And, and oh, Jonathan Taylor – he emerged later towards the end of the season. Well, I'd say with the mid, mid, last seven weeks, of course. But in the beginning of the season, people were like, okay, is this a running back by committee? You know, with uh, your boy, uh, you, you could speak on, I can't think of those guys' names right now. Uh, oh, Nakeem. You're talking about Nakeem Hines? Nakeem Hines, and of course, uh, who's, I think, is Marlon Mack who got injured. Yeah, or Marlon you? Mack got injured in the beginning of the year. Uh, so, Jonathan Taylor emerged as that, that guy. He runs strong, and I think he looks very promising. So, y'all have a solid foundation. 
I'm going to let you speak on how you feel about Philip Rivers moving forward. He only signed a one-year deal. Um, what do you feel like the direction of the Colts is, being that that's your favorite team? Yeah. Uh, what I would say uh, with the direction of the Colts and even going into Philip Rivers specifically, um, I could see maybe one more year out of Philip Rivers. I could see them bringing him back. Uh, but we have to look to the future at that QB position. Although it wasn't glaring, if you're watching that game, it's not glaring that he just looked like he was over the hill. There were several key throws within that game that he just had to make. He has to make that throw to Pittman on that fourth down play. He has to make that throw, I believe it was in the third quarter, on a key pivotal third down on a drive where we could have once again trimmed the lead, which would ultimately you know, cause us to potentially win the game where he just missed um, another key throw. So Phillip Rivers is just erratic throughout the course of a game. Now, he didn't have the big turnovers that he usually has, so I was appreciative of that. But like I said, for him, he can hold over maybe one more year. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of frustrating with this team because we have pretty much everything else in place. Mm-hmm. So if we had a situation we, where we had more of an elite uh, QB behind all of that, we would be in an excellent position as a team. I think that it was very important to see Michael Pittman take that step because T.Y. Hilton is a free agent this upcoming offseason. Mm. So there's no guarantee that T.Y. will be back with the team. And I think in the last game, he was the fifth leading receiver on the team. Yeah. So um, it's going to be interesting to see kind of what direction we go with that. Uh, we're still a team that does have some flexibility from a cap perspective, uh, still some uh, uh, ability to – you know, maneuver and continue to build out the roster. But, man, I I wouldn't mind. I know, you know, I don't want to get ahead of myself about, you know, what we may talk about later in this podcast. But, man, I would package everything to, to go and make that trade in, <laughs> in our would. own division. But I, I, I won't get ahead of myself on that one. <laughs> all right, all right, um, all right. But, I, but I do think that um, that the pieces are there. I mean, we were 11-5, and five, lost to a 13-3 and three Bills team. Playoffs are just tough out there over in the AFC. So, I feel that if we had that elite signal caller, that elite quarterback, you know, back there, I believe that we'd be as good as anybody. But, you know, that's just how things fall sometimes. And like you said, Ramani, you constantly reminded us that you, your GM believes in building through the draft. So yeah. with another draft coming up, I'm, I'm sure y'all can find some more pieces to add on to, you know, where you may be weak, whether you want to add on to that offensive line, to Quentin Nelson, uh, whether you want to add on to the um, to, to the secondary or the yeah. defensive line, which you know, which is very important in, in today's yeah. league, just somebody that can put the pressure on the quarterback. But y'all have plenty of opportunity there, so I'm yeah. interested to see what y'all are looking for. Y'all didn't write, I didn't write it, write it all, write you guys off by any imagine, even though I did pick the Bills to win. I think I was the only one out of us to pick the Bills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, the Bills just they've just been they just have had it together. Um, the uh, they've been quite the opposite of what we've seen from the Steelers, you know. What I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> but we'll Definitely. get into that a little later. So, if you don't have anything more to add on, I gave you the floor for your team. <laughs> nah, nah, you covered it, man. Like you said, we'll build some more through the draft. We still have some capital out there. If we want to go grab some other names too. So, I think we're in a good position going forward. Okay, so let's move on to the Rams and the Seahawks. Uh, I think that. Most like, uh, most like uh, the rest of America was kind of disappointed with Russell Wilson and his showing in these playoffs. Uh, I do think that this is a nick on his legacy. 
Uh, I hate to be that dramatic. I guess that was a dramatic statement, maybe. No. But I think that all the cards were aligned for, you know, Russell Wilson to put this team on his back and to, to do something about it, at least put more points up. You know, he had an uncharacteristic uh, interception that I, I didn't think was a part of what I've seen of him in these types of situations. And even despite then, they still were in the game late. But ultimately, that pass rush with Aaron Donald and those guys and, and Jalen Ramsey shutting down DK, I think one of the unspoken things about that game is that I think that DK was out of that game after the first series because he was just so frustrated with Jalen Ramsey and, and his antics, but you can't allow that. And I think as a young receiver, he'll learn that. But it, it just was kind of disappointing from a Russell uh, Russell Westbrook aspect that – Russell oh, Wilson. Oh, my goodness. We're going to have to pull out the old graphic again. Uh, <laughs> Russell Wilson. Russell man. Wilson. Russell, Russell Wilson. Wilson. And the ultimate score ended up being thirty to twenty. Uh, a lot, of, a lot higher score than I expected. Uh, but yeah, Russell Wilson. I think that that's the story. Yeah, I, I was kind of disappointed with his showing there. But I mean, all credit goes to the Rams. Yeah, yeah, no. And, and you saying that specifically, I want to mention and call out Cam Akers. You know, we were talking about the young rookie running back in Jonathan Taylor and what he did. But Cam Akers was yeah, he's extremely impressive um you can see that coming into that game that that was a big part of the game plan was that they wanted to establish the run uh they came into the game plan with really their second string quarterback and uh Wofford who was starting and it seemed like they just wanted to kind of make sure that they you know kind of made it a little bit easy on him by establishing the run then of course he gets knocked out and golf has to come in with the injured thumb and all of that um so I want to say kudos and shout out specifically to him. You already kind of mentioned uh, the way that that defense plays, specifically that defensive line. Uh, Aaron Donald, it's going to be interesting to see how what that rib situation is like going forward. Uh, But he was extremely dominant in the time that he was on the field. And then, like you said, man, that secondary, Jalen Ramsey, he's – He's a beast, man. He's the He's real a beast. He's uh, the real DK dude. got free a couple times, a couple times, but you know, specifically on that that long pass. I think that was in the second quarter where yeah. uh, Russell kind of escaped a little bit. But um, credit, and he did credit have to the touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he he got free towards the end of the first half, and I think it was another kind of similar yeah, scramble type drill. It, it was more of those type of things. It wasn't like, just like we were talking about kind of the Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs. That's really more so how he got free. It wasn't like, hey, I'm going to just kill you with this route. It's, hey, Russ is extending the play right now. Let me continue to make a play type of thing. So um, overall, though, hats off to the Rams. They said that they wanted uh, they the Seahawks. Yeah. They wanted to play them. They said that they didn't like the way, you know, seeing the Seahawks celebrate winning the division. They felt that that should have been their division. And they came out and they backed it up. They got it done. Defense was excellent. Run game was excellent. So it'll be interesting to see them going forward. Yeah, Cam Akers with 28 carries for 131 yards and a touchdown. Shout out to these young running backs that are emerging late. We expected great things out of Cam Akers as well as Jonathan Taylor. I traded him in my dynasty league. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> but, yeah, these guys are really emerging and really stepping up. And, you know, hats off to them, hats off to the Rams. They're advancing to the divisional round. Uh, let's move on. Shout out to Los again. Those are his Rams. Uh, just a quick tidbit, Ramon. 
Jared Allen, I'm not, uh, I'm sorry, Jared Goff, I think that you may be starting to see the beginning of the end of that era of Jared Goff being at the helm. And with Walford being with, – with Coach McVay willing to start Walford there. Now, Jared Goff wasn't healthy by any means, but I don't think Jared Goff looked any different. I mean, he did look different. I mean, because there was some passes that he missed because of that. Um, but, I mean, Jared Goff, prior to the injury, wasn't playing his best football. And at times looked like he's lost his confidence throughout the season. And that's – I think that leans on what Los would speak on and Los would agree with me there. Uh, do you think that we're starting to see the end real quickly? Do you think that we're starting to see the end of that Jared Goff era? Do you think the rock, the, that the Rams are looking to move forward uh, with someone else? Um, I'm actually going to say no on that. I think that they still have too much invested in him from a financial perspective uh, to totally make that move. And I think that the direction that the team is taking now is to not put as much in the quarterback's hands. But if you can establish that running game with the Cam Akers and still having Malcolm Brown and whoever else you and Daryl Henderson in that backfield, I think that they'll look to do more of that to take some pressure off of golf. So for me, just a quick answer right now is no. I don't think that they're moving on. I wouldn't be shocked either way, but I'm going to say no. Okay. Uh, I agree with you. I don't think mainly because of what you said with the investment of the money. I do think that this is a, this next year they're expecting the heat is on Jared Goff. They really going to see, is this what I have? And I agree. I think that they'll give him one more year and, you know, I think that they'll see what they have there, but moving on real quickly, I would love to see what Carlos perspective of that would be, but, um, the Bucks and the Washington Redskins capped off that night. The Washington the, football team. Oh, I did it a third episode in a row. I apologize. I really apologize. I'm gonna next weekend. I'm gonna not do that anymore. <laughs> the Washington football team and the Buccaneers, thirty-one. The Bucks won thirty-one to twenty-three, which I expected to be a close, close scoring game for the reasons that I said last week. I'm not gonna go through it again. If you want to hear what I, what my analysis of this game would be and why to be close, check out the last episode, One Wild Weekend. But I, I, it was nothing short of what I expected. Um, the Bucks ultimately pulled away, but that game was really, really close. Um, I think that the Washington football team may just be a quarterback away um, and another weapon to complement McLaurin away. They already got an established running back in Antonio Gibson, who coming off a rookie season – was very impressive. I think that Andy is an offensive player of the year, officer rookie player of the year discussion. He won't win it, of course, or had didn't win it, of course, but he was in that discussion. And then McLaurin, we know what he is a superstar receiver. I think that they're one one addition tool away on offense. I think that if they get them a quarterback in there that really can throw a sling it around, I think that they really can compete in this league. But they they had a good display and the Bucks moved on ultimately. Yeah, I, I would say, too, that, though, man, I, I still want to give a shout-out to Heineke or Heineke. Oh, he deserves it. I think, it. It's he deserves it. Yes. I think that he stepped in and he gave them pretty much the most that he could give them, the most that they could have at that position. I don't think that they'll look to build and move forward with him, like you said. I think that they'll look elsewhere. Alex Smith is basically done right now in his career, so I think they need something there. But, um, but, but hats off to him, man. I, I thought that he came in – that he played as well as he could play. He put the team on his back as much as he can put that team on his back. Yeah. But obviously, we all knew that the Bucs are just a more talented team uh, than the Washington football team. So, like you said, it's not 
it, and it'll be interesting to see kind of how the Bucks look going forward in the playoffs. Yeah, it was nice to see Leonard Fournette with 19 carries, 93 yards, and a touchdown. For them to really utilize him, I don't know what's been the reason of holding him back all year, but this dude is is a star in this league. And I think the last couple of years have been hiccups because he is with a franchise that ironically is number has the number one pick in this upcoming NFL draft. They're not a good franchise. But at this point, let, let release Leonard, man. Release That's him. What I, said. I was going to ask you a question, though, even like beyond this playoff run for them. Do you think that Leonard is back with Tampa Bay next year? Because, you know, he'll be on the market. So It's going to be interesting. I don't think he'll be back there unless he – unless. I don't think he's gonna be back there. I think, uh, I think um, the coach, uh, what, what's the coach? Bruce Arians. Yeah, Bruce Arians. I think that he, I think Bruce Arians, some kind of way, doesn't like big names. He doesn't like stars. And I, I think with him and Tom Brady bumping heads, which we discussed in the past, and with him choosing to opt into, um, uh, he was Ronald Jones as opposed to Leonard Fournette. I just think he, he he just wants a guy that he can coach that's very coachable. I don't think he's used to coaching stars. So I don't think Leonard will be back next year. I hope not because he's wasting his talent in Tampa. But I think Tom I will vouch for him, though. Yeah, uh, I agree. I agree. But another story there, uh, uh, Tom Brady, Tom was Tom. He didn't throw any picks. He had two touchdowns, 381 yards. But there's nothing to discuss there. They moved on, which we expected them to do. But one thing that's interesting is I don't think Tampa has fully 100% put it together. When are they going to do it? We in a different – you know, it's the first round of playoff. Wild card weekend, they still have not put it all together. Yeah. As people was kind of like prognosticating, oh, they're going to be a top offense. Oh, they're going to be unstoppable with Gronk Mike Evans and all these weapons, but they hadn't put it together yet. Yeah, yeah no, it, it's definitely been interesting, and I don't think that they will. Um, yeah. I haven't, especially once it got midway through the season. It's been a while since I've been high on Tampa, but I didn't believe in them long running the playoffs or anything like that anyway. Um, yeah. So I'm kind of giving away what I'll be saying later about them, but I don't believe in them <laughs> going forward. Okay, so Raven, let's let's go ahead and kind of speed it up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Ravens, Titans. I don't think there's much there uh, besides, uh, I guess, you know, Lamar Jackson. Of course, that was a huge story. Would he get his first playoff win? He had that one fifty-yard touchdown, which was electric, man. Yes. <laughs> I think I'm having to put him. I was hesitant to do it, but I may have to put him uh, ahead of Vic at this yes. point. Yes, I think he, I have he's, to. Uh, he's the best running quarterback yeah, that we've yeah, ever seen. Yeah, that we ever seen, man. And and Vic was amazing. Vic was yeah. amazing. Yeah. I will say that again. Just look at his film. But just what Lamar can do with his legs and his speed, I, I, I think at this point, 24 years old, just made 24, already has won an NFL MVP. But I think that, you know, Lamar has got that monkey off his back, his first his first NFL playoff win. Uh and he's got that monkey off about maybe he can play football. Now, I will say this, which is an unpop- unpopular opinion. He still didn't throw for a touchdown pass So uh, in, in this playoffs, of course. So he was okay. Yeah. And um, I think that the Ravens were heavily relying on the, on the rushing attack. Why would they? They won the best rushing teams in the league. So why wouldn't they? So, you know, they, they beat the Titans, man. And what you thought? What did you see from the Titans' perspective there? Uh, from the Titans perspective, um, I saw that, of course, they struggled uh, with Derrick Henry being bottled up. 
I believe Derrick Henry only had like 40 yards that rushing or so. That was impressive. Yeah. That was really impressive. Very impressive by that Ravens defense. And so, you know, going into it, that's something that we all said and all agreed upon. If you're going to play against the Tennessee Titans, you sell out to stop Derrick Henry and you make Ryan Tannehill be the be one that's going to beat you. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> you make Ryan Tannehill beat you. And in most cases, Ryan Tannehill is not going to be good enough to get that done. Uh, you specifically mentioned the rushing yards, and Baltimore outgained uh, Tennessee 236 to 51 in mm. rushing yards. Yes. So that was yeah. pretty much the difference in that game. It was a dominant display, a big part of that, you know, like you were talking about, Lamar Jackson, and I'm not doing this to call him a running back, so don't get it wrong, but he was the best running back on the field <laughs> in that game. I'm not yeah. one of the ones that's not trying to say he a quarterback, yeah, so don't yeah, get yeah. me wrong, listeners, but you know what I'm getting yeah, at there. Yeah. But that was the main thing for Tennessee. They couldn't get Henry going. If Henry doesn't get there's nothing really that they can do. I think Lamar will have to use his arm more um, as, as these rounds get a little harder. Uh, I'm, the, the the verdict's still out. First, but I, I do think that the reason why Lamar does face a lot of uh, kind of backlash is that uh, the top quarterback, he won NFL MVP. And I think that one of those things is that when you are an NFL MVP, you're expected to perform in those like really big time games in the playoffs. And I'm not one. Maybe he was talking to the people that, that was just slaying Lamar Jackson. I've never been the one to do that because he's still really young. But I do think that that's why. Yeah, so uh, in that draft class, that was the draft class with uh, Sam Darnold was also in that draft class. Mm -hmm. Josh Rosen was in that draft class. Josh Allen was also in that draft class. And, of course, uh, Baker Mayfield was the one that was taken first. Yeah, and then Lamar was taking like 32nd. Yeah. But or one of those late. I know it's late. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so I, I don't know. I mean, we can move on from there. But I just thought that that's one of the things maybe why Lamar faced so much scrutiny because of that. But I don't think that's right. So, but I, I I'm a big fan of Lamar and I think that he got over that hump and I'm interested to see how he performs in that divisional round. So uh the next game was my Bears and Saints. Uh, we pretty much, like you said, Ramon, we pretty much dominated from yep. start to finish, uh, mainly because of our defense. Uh, I am concerned, though. I, I, Drew was okay, but Drew, Drew, made, you know, his veteran, veteran savvy really got him through that game. I don't think that he looked the best. He still is not able to throw the ball down the field, and it's quite evident which scares me, but I think we can get through it mainly because of how good, how well our defense has been playing. I I don't know. I mean, it's not much to say there. I, I do think that the Saints did dominate from, from, from start to finish. It was nice to see MT get in the end zone. It's been a while since we've seen that. Uh, I think that he's, he is who he is, but can we get him the ball, you know, outside of 15 yards down the field, which probably not the case. I mean, a win is a win. <laughs> yeah. I think it's one of those things, again, too, man. If you just look at the stats and you look at the numbers, you'll walk away and say, okay, why is Drew Brees being scrutinized? Okay, 28 for 39, 265, two touchdowns. But it's one of those things you actually have to watch the game to see what you were saying. <laughs> I've been saying and it all year. <laughs> you actually have to watch it to see it. And, and trust me, I 100% agree with you on that. Like you said, though, I do believe that MT was a little bit of a shot in the arm right there. And yeah. I believe you're going to only see MT 
get better and better. There's a difference between getting some practice reps and you actually being out there in game speed. So he's only going to get better and better. I thought Kamara was pretty good as usual. I mean, AK is going to be AK. And so I think that that's a big part of what y'all will depend on going forward. Uh, there are some question marks there, um, some things to potentially worry about. But the thing that I will say is, like you said, when you have a defense like that that you can depend on, when you have a defense, even specifically a front seven that plays the way that they play, then you're going to find yourself in any game. So Drew just has to figure out a way to get enough done. At this point in his career, it's not all on his shoulders, mm-hmm. to, to me, in my opinion. No, it's it's not. not all on his shoulders. So that defense, first of all, to me, is first and foremost can, and can really help out. But then when you have that running game, like we talked about in AK, when now you have his weapons being basically the healthiest that they've been this entire season, I believe that there's a good chance there, but you know we'll we'll see. But I still think that Drew needs to hang it up after this. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Everybody that was killing me for saying that, man. I got a coworker that's still killing. He's not killing me. He understands where I'm coming from after the season has transpired, but he still believes in Drew, and you know he a Hall of Famer or whatever. So I get it. But let's move on, man. I'm not gonna spend too much time on my team. I'm glad we moved on. Uh, so we got. The um divisional round coming up, man. So we got dang, you just messed over the Browns and stuff. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it wasn't much to talk about <laughs> there, man. It, it wasn't much to talk about, yeah, but no, I agree with yeah, you. Yeah, that'll be a good transition. Uh, the Browns and the Steelers, the, St- the Browns just completely dominated the Steelers. Um, I mean, I didn't even watch the end of that game, like it was 28 to zero in the first quarter. Uh, someone. I, we could spend another 30 minutes to talk about the issues with the Steelers. So yeah. I'm going to try to compact this a little bit. We kind of touched on it a little bit. Um, what's wrong with the Steelers. I think that that's more of the bigger story than the Browns. Unfortunately, when you've got a team in the Steelers who started off 11 and 0 and ended the season one and five, I mean, I think that this will have to be, I'm a huge fan of Mike Tomlin, but I think that number one, this has to be a strike against Mike Tomlin. And, I don't think that it's to the extent of him losing his job, of course, but because he's been down and has ultimately done a good job. But how does a coach lose a lose a team's focus like this? And I think that Mike Tomlin has been the one when he's had Antonio Brown and has had uh, Le'Veon Bell. He pretty much allows players to be who they are in themselves. But I think that at this point, Juju contract is up this year. I don't know if I'll be encouraged to bring him back when you're my third or fourth option. You know, you, you we made you into being – we let Antonio Brown go because we thought you could be the number one option. But not only do you not perform, but then you just cause so much trouble with just making comments, the Browns are the Browns, that Browns are who they've always been. And then you're dancing on everybody's logo. You know, you're putting a, a target on your team's back. And clearly the Browns in this wild card matchup was highly motivated to say, hey, look, we're not the same Browns team. We're going to punch you in your mouth. And they did. And – I don't know at this point, it, it, it's just the immaturity when you see Chase Claypool. You lost, bro. And yeah. you're talking about, oh, we lost to them, but they're going to get smacked next week. But they beat you. Yeah. You should be concerned about the, the butt kicking that you took this yeah. past weekend. So I think it's a lot of immaturity on that team, and the, the, the culture has to change. It has to be a shift. 
And I don't know, you know, and that's, that just points to your head. That points to your head coach, your leader. And I don't necessarily understand. I don't want to – I hate even talking about this because I'm such a fan of Mike Tomlin. But I think that you have to look at Mike Tomlin with this. Yeah, uh, I agree with you, man. I honestly don't have too much to add to it. Um, like you said, it, it's just mainly the immaturity aspect. And I think that they're – Heads blew up when they went 11 and 0. You know, even going back to specifically, like you mentioned, Chase Claypool, he's tweeting at the time, you know, losing, never heard of her. And I think that they just, their heads blew up based upon that 11 and 0 start. And you just saw the immaturity take over. And it's, it's crazy, but they really truly don't have even a leader. Like you would think that being in, his the the duration of his career and how long he's been there and been in the league that he could be that leader that would you know be there to kind of rally the troops or kind of get them to you know act in a more mature manner but obviously you can see that he's not even really a leader in that locker room so um I I believe that you covered it man there's some issues there and honestly like you said too I wouldn't be compelled to bring Juju back honestly but we'll see yeah, we'll see. And Mike Tomlin, a part of his genius and his success, he does have a Super Bowl. It is that he does let allow players to be themselves. But, you know, when you look at the history of the leaders that they've had um, throughout his coaching tenure, it's like you mentioned, it, it, it's not there. But they're going to have to have a culture shift. They're going to have to get somebody in there to really, you know, whoop them boys into shape because they, they don't have the right mentality. And I think it starts with Juju. I think that I would probably move on from him uh, in that situation. But uh, it's sad to see, man. But the Browns, I mean, credit to them. They came out and they played ball and they balled out. Baker Mayfield is getting better and better by the game. So we'll see going forward. So yeah. let's get into it, man. Let's get into divisional, divisional matchup rounds. Um Man, we got we got some we got we got four games. Uh yeah. no, I'm tripping. Four games. Yeah, total. yeah. Yeah, yeah, four games four total. Games. Four games total this this divisional round. And we'll start off with the Rams and the Packers on that three o'clock, three thirty central time on Fox. We gotta have the predictions and why, man. Uh you want me to go ahead and kick it off? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Man. Uh ahead. in this game, I'm gonna take the Packers. Um, I believe that the Rams do pose a great threat with that defense. Um, I'm intrigued, though, to see kind of uh, what Aaron Donald is going to look like uh, with the situation he's having with his ribs. I know that even Cooper Cup limped off the field at a certain point towards the end of that game. You got a Jared Goff that's not uh, 100%, you know, and so, you know, will Cam Akers be able to get it done? I believe that, once again, he's going to be relied upon, and so – is is that going to be enough to get it done? Uh, I can't wait to see that Jalen Ramsey, Devontae Adams matchup. <laughs> uh, I think that that's going to be must-see TV. Um, now, let me ask you, you think uh, Jalen's going to shadow Devontae the whole time? I think he will. Uh, Devontae's had a great season, and he pretty much is who – he's pretty much Aaron Rodgers' go-to, but will he yeah. be able to stop him? I don't I don't. Yeah. I don't you can only contain him, yeah. maybe, but I don't. I, I think he will shadow him for most of the time, yeah. um, just like he did DK. Uh, I, I'm with I'm with you on that. I think that the I think that the Packers will figure it out. I think that that that, that attack of Aaron Jones and um, uh, 
that 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 uh, and Aaron Rodgers, of course, with his uh, veteran savvy, along with Devontae, I think it'll be too much at this point. So I I do have the Packers winning. I, I think they'll win by like a, a touchdown in the field, bro. Let's go that route. But if Aaron Donald is not there, man, it's gonna be it's gonna be a long night for the Rams. Yeah, he means so much to that. So to that much. Front. Um, so yeah, so then we got the second game of the night, the Ravens and the Bills, which is I'm I'm looking forward to. I think that that's the one that I'm looking forward to the most out the whole weekend. Um, but I, 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 what do you think? You you going first on these? Okay, I'm I'm going first right here, man. It's (laughs) it's such a tough one, man, for me because, like you said, I think that this one is um pretty much a toss up at this point. Um, I think that the Bills are a uh, uh, minus two, so they're favored, but at, you know, a minus two, but it's a pretty much a pick them almost. Right. And um, going into this game, I'm going to actually go with the Ravens and I'm going to go with them from this perspective. Wow. I feel that they are the better defensive team uh, by far. Like, I don't think that that's even close um, from a defensive perspective. But I'm I'm just going to buy that Lamar Jackson got that monkey off his back. I think that we'll see a more effective Lamar Jackson. Just as, you know, we talked kind of offline, you know, you, you talked about that Bills defense. You weren't too impressed with that Bills defense. Yeah. And so I think that some things will open up for Lamar more um, in this game. And I, I'm just going to go ahead and say that the Ravens get it done. I think that that defense is uh, really clicking at this point. And I think that they'll have uh, enough to to pull the upset. I hate to sound like a mockingbird, but I'm going with the Ravens as well for the reasons that you mentioned. We can kind of move on from that. I think that if the Ravens defense can shut down Derrick Henry, which is the best running back in the league, which is a tall task, I think they will have no problems with uh, Zach Moss. And Oh, Zach Moss going to be out. Yeah, Zach Moss got injured at the tail end of that game. Uh, but with Devin Singletary and you know, he has been ineffective for the majority of this year. Um, but if they can shut him, can eliminate that aspect, which is Devin De- De- says half of what, maybe less than half than what Derrick Henry is, they can focus on that passing game and Josh Allen and his legs. So I, I do I do think that the Ravens will win because of those that you mentioned. You writing these down? Because you writing I, I, I got them locked up here. Oh, man. you got them locked, <laughs> locked up here. All right, cool. So we can move on, and that game is on NBC 715 Central Time. So make sure you check out the Ravens and the Bills. That's my favorite matchup of the game. So on Sunday, we got the Chiefs and the Browns leading it off. Go ahead, Ramon. What you think about (laughs) that, man? I'm going to go ahead, and um, I'm taking the Chiefs in this one. Um, I've said it before, but I just feel that the whole race in the AFC has been who's going to ultimately lose to the Kansas City Chiefs, <laughs> uh, a battle of who's going to lose to them. Man, I cannot pick against Patrick Mahomes and pick against uh, that offense and the weapons that he has. Um, I ultimately believe, and I'm not trying to say that, you know, being the most talented receiver or whatever, but I believe that Travis Kelsey is the best receiving threat in the league. Mm. And so, and it's just from a matchup perspective. I'm just talking about how good he is at the tight end position and how much, you know, he causes really just a matchup nightmare game in and game out. And he put up basically wide receiver one numbers this year, but he's a complete mismatch and he's not facing that number one corner week in and week out and stuff like that. So um, I just believe behind that offense, behind Patrick Mahomes, 
uh, who is the best quarterback that I've ever seen. I can't pick against the Chiefs, man. I can't. Yeah, I can't do it either, but I will say this. <laughs> I think it's going to be a little closer than what people think. Uh, the Chiefs are a 10-point favorite, but I, I do really feel like it's going to be a closer game. I think that Baker Mayfield is locked in. That Browns team has something to prove. Mostly, I think that the problems that the Chiefs will have with them, they can thank the Pittsburgh Steelers and the antics of – uh, Juju and Chase Claypool and the arrogance that they said because this team is fired up and I think that it'll be closer than what what is expected and the Browns can put up points they yep, can they, can. they can. can put up points so uh, but it ultimately will you know the Chiefs just have too many weapons and I think that that's ultimately why and then it, it's Patrick Mahomes man. yeah it, it's one th- one thing I will say is like even when you talked about the Browns and talked about their weapons that run game has potential to shorten the game some. I mean, when you talk mm-hmm. about that two-headed monster back there with Nick Chubb and the way that he was playing this past week, and you know you have Kareem Hunt back there as well. So they have some solid pieces. You got Mr. Third down in Jarvis Landry that's mm-hmm. Mr. Dependable. So underrated. So you underrated. The, you look at his career so far and the numbers he's put up, and it just seems like he's always talked behind – you know, Odell and these guys, but that's Mr. Reliable, man. Mr. He, Reliable. His, his numbers are are, are 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 phenomenal so far this year, and he's very sure-handed and, and can be a burner, as he proved last last week, man. He took off, a, I think it was a 30-yard touchdown pass. So I, it's an intriguing matchup more than people say. So I say, I tell our listeners, if you want to see some good rugged football, check out the Browns and the Chiefs, two, 2.05 kickoff time, Central Time on CBS. Make sure that you check that out because I think it's going to be a lot closer than what people will give it credit for. So then we got the nightcap, so to speak, six five forty Central Time on Fox. We got my Saints, New Orleans Saints against the Buccaneers, going for the Saints going for our third win against the Buccaneers. The first time it was okay. The second time it was just a straight blowout. And now we got this third one with playoff time in the fold, which is a difference maker there. Uh, they will get Devin White back from off of the COVID list. However, they did lose Kevin Minter to the COVID list. So we'll see. We'll see what happens, man. What, what's your prediction here, Ramon? Um, actually, man, I, oh, I don't can't do take – No, 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 man. No, I can't take the floor on this one first. You, This is your okay. Saints. Okay. This is really? your okay. Saints. I have to back up. I have in my mind already where I'm going. I know you're going to pick. Huh? How polite. Oh, yeah, I'll go. But I, but I, I got to let you have the floor, man. It's your Saints, bro. I, I take the Saints here. I, I think that ultimately we haven't had problems with the Buccaneers so far this season. And – Last year, people were saying, oh, you're playing the Falcons for the third time. Can you beat them a third time? And we did it with no problem. I actually think this is an easier matchup than it was uh, of the Bears. I think the Bears really kind of made me a little more nervous than the Bucks will. That's crazy to say against playoff time and the weapons <laughs> that they have. But like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I think that we've, we've been waiting for the Bucks to click. And I'm not sure all of these pieces actually click with yeah. Antonio Brown. I don't think Grunk is who he once was, but was a previous there. And then Tom is Tom. Tom is, is firing off on all cylinders. He's had another great season, finishing top top three in passing this year. But however, I don't I, I think that that defense, my Saints defense, 
this is the most dominant defensive team I've ever seen from us. And that's crazy to say because we've been successful for the greater, better half of this decade, but we've never had a defense like this where we can really rely upon them to win us games. And I think ultimately because of that and that front seven, as I always say, that that pressure that we put – if you can pressure Tom, that's his Achilles heel, and we can get pressure on him, which we've proved, proven this so far this season. So I think that the Saints here – I think that I'm taking my Saints. So we, we're three-point favorites here, which we think it's going to be pretty close. Um, I, I'll say that we – I think that that's about accurate. I think that we could win by a touchdown here. Uh, I think that Drew will do enough, like you say, his veteran savvy. I think this is a matchup that we've wanted for so many years, but we wanted it in their primes. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. Tom yeah. Brady and Drew are one of the great – some of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play this game, but they are past their prime. But we finally get the matchup, and I'm grateful for it. So I'll let you go. That's how I feel about it, bro. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say uh, basically I kind of alluded to it earlier, uh, really how I felt about this matchup, man. Uh, I haven't put too much stock in the Bucks going forward. And, you know, I, I've been a believer in the Saints basically all season. I'm a believer in that defense, specifically that front seven. And I feel that ultimately, just like you were saying, they'll get it done. I think that another key piece is that pretty much every time they match up, Marshawn Lattimore sheds down um, uh, Mike Evans. Yeah. That's and, huge. Yeah, That's huge. and Mike Evans was huge for the Bucks this weekend. Actually led them in receiving, of course. Yeah. Um, and so to me, when you can take away a weapon like that from that offense and you have not even just saying the complete front seven, when you can create pressure with that front forward the way that the Saints can – and knowing that that's really, like you mentioned, Tom Brady's Achilles heel is when you can pressure him, I think that it's a recipe uh, for the Saints to be able to get this done. But I do believe that, you know, we're going to need to see Michael Thomas, MTB, can't guard Mike. I believe that we have to see him be pretty much close to form at his top, uh, the top level of performance. But Ultimately, I think that the Saints will get it done. They're just a better team, and that defense is just rolling and clicking on all cylinders. It's like Marshawn was drafted by us to <laughs> to take on our division <laughs> rival in Mike Evans because I don't think there's a more there's a there's more of a receiver he's covered that he's had more success against than Michael Thomas. So that's that's the wrap up, man. That's the divisional round. Those are our predictions. We hope that you enjoyed that. If you want to check out the wild card predictions that we had and how they fare, again, you can check us out on O underscore Benchwarmers on Instagram and Twitter. That graphic can be found on our Instagram. Again, that's O underscore Benchwarmers. Make sure that you give us a follow. Um, we're wrapping up, Ramon. Unless you got something else, man. I think we did it again. Yeah, I think we did it again, man. I think that really covers it. I'm just looking forward to some more football this weekend. Oh, yeah, some more football. We didn't mention – shout out to Nick Saban on his seventh championship. Uh, I wasn't going to mention, but we got yeah. to. We got to. Yeah. We're not living on the rock. We we realized the greatness that, that has transpired. Seven championships, man, that's hard to do. Do you that's think right. he retires? No, nah, he won't retire, man. Nick is going to try to run it up to, like, ten championships or so. Man, it just doesn't seem like he wants to to walk away from it anytime soon. I would hope that he would. I'm waiting for the day where he says that he's stepping away from it, but he's seeming like he at least wants to go at least three or four more years. Um, yeah. Recruiting hasn't slowed down for the program, 
they may be bringing in the best recruiting class that I've seen from them, especially from an offensive line perspective. So it's no slowing things down, man. Well, it's just tough to see. I, I was telling someone today, he's basically the COO. Um, I, I think I got into a debate into uh, with someone on Twitter and, uh, you know, they didn't know that I'm an LSU guy, graduated from LSU alumni, proud of it. Um, but they were taken back when I said we won the championship last year, but we're not a pro. We're not Bama. We're not Clemson. We're not. We're not. We don't have a program. And I think that this we we're able to get the recruits, but it, it reverts back to my point about um, about Nick Saban. Is that Nick Saban is a COO at this point? He gets the best coaching staff in America, assistant coaches. He gets the best recruits in the country, and it's just a smooth, a smooth machine at this point. And I think that he has a philosophy. And I think that as opposed to us, we chose Coach O, who I think is incapable of building a program because of how much he lacks in actually having a philosophy and actually being a coach between the X's and O's. I think he's a motivator and a great recruiter. So I think that those differences there is why you see Bama there every single year. It's because you have a Nick Saban who's a mastermind and knows how to get the best people. And that's from the coaches yeah. that's helping them on that staff to the best players in the country. Yeah, and, and you see him year after year. You see how focused that group is. I know it's cliche to focus on winning, but you just see how dialed in they are to it. You look at Devontae Smith, who would have arguably been a first-round pick if he, if he had come out last year, and you see he came back for his senior year. You see a Najee Harris, who would have been at – round pick last year but he comes back you see a uh, uh, Dylan Moses who would have been a first round pick last year but he comes back because those guys are so focused on winning and so focused on that program and so you see a year in and year out man it's been um you know excellence that of course I haven't seen anything better in my lifetime and I don't think that there has has been anything better from a, a college uh, football perspective. And Nick Saban, I mean, he's the GOAT. He was already the GOAT, and he's just now just lengthening this distance yeah. between him and whoever is second place at this yeah, point. Yeah, man, I, I think why, why, fix it, why, why retire now? I think, he, I think once he gets 10, he'll retire. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I and think he's trying to run it up to that. He's well on pace to for the next three out of – he's probably giving himself four years to get three more rings in which – I don't think anyone's on that level. And like you say, man, those guys are so focused. You got a Devontae Smith who won the Heisman. You got your quarterback who's a Heisman candidate, finished third, and Matt Jones in that standings. And they're just locked in. You know, yep. they're, they're so disciplined, so well coached. And, you know, Sarkeesian just had him a, a – I guess this was his farewell party. He yeah. pulled out all the stocks last was, night man. in play designs uh, as he takes took that Texas job, University of Texas job, of course. But I didn't mean to run on a tangent, but it was worth mentioning. It just, it just Nick Saban's greatness. And even though we're LSU guys, uh, it, you know, I tip my hat off to Nick Saban and, and what he's meant to that program. Yeah, I yeah. agree. I and agree. it's two more subjects that we could we should have touched but I think we're running out of time here. Man. Yeah, it's all good, man. <laughs> I kind of wanted to get into it, though, man. Yeah, it's fine. Either way works for me, man, whichever way you want to do it. Let's get into it. This, I guess it's bonus material here. Yeah, usually, bonus material. Start, we usually stop at 45. But I, I think that is, it's really interesting to talk about the coaching carousel that, that's happening. And, it, and it, let's just start with Doug Peterson. Uh, this week it's reported that he actually 
uh, was parting ways with the Philadelphia Eagles. But was, what was more concerning to me is that there were report, reports saying that he was just tired of being told what to do. And I think that says a lot and it speaks volumes. And I think I owe you and Carlos an apology because of the, the move on week 17. But it shed a lot of light on that move of pulling Jalen Hurts out in the heat of the game uh, to put in your third string quarterback, which now I see that that probably shed light that D- Doug Peterson was not only the fall man, but that that call had to come from upstairs. And I, I think that a, a franchise like like the Eagles, who had so much promise, who not long ago had a Super Bowl, is becoming a, a franchise like a you know, you compare it to the Cowboys where the front office is too involved in the operations of the team. And that's, that's to, the own demise, to their own demise here. But, you know, I guess I owe you guys and Doug Peterson an apology is that a lot of the questionable decisions is turning out to be maybe wasn't his decision. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. You can see, um, like you said, with basically the details that have come out from that split, and um, ultimately, that would be a frustrating place to be in if you're a head coach. And I believe that Doug Peterson also, too, believes in himself enough to know that he's going to get another shot in this league. Like, this will not be the end of Doug Peterson as a head coach in the league. Definitely won't be the end of him in any type of aspect of coaching. So um, he'll get another chance at another point. Uh, but like you said, you were able to to see some of the background of what was really going on in that franchise. And it's going to be interesting to see how they move forward now and who's going to be uh, potentially in that job in this upcoming year. So did Doug, did Doug Peterson want Jalen Hurts? You know, did, yeah. you know, it, was he behind, did he, did he want to, did he ultimately in his mind make the decision to, to weeks ago bench Carson Wentz? You know, now Carson Wentz saying that he has no friction between the franchise. A lot shed a lot of light. And yeah. I, I apologize to <laughs> any Eagles fans that I got that one wrong. It shed a lot of light. And I don't feel sorry for the Eagles because I, I'm still hurt about the Minnesota miracle and how they got <laughs> blown out. <laughs> but, but anyway, I'm not getting to the Saints. But yeah, it's interesting there. So it, it creates a sort of a coaching carousel there. But ultimately, who you think would be a good fit there? Oh, man, that's a that's a tough one. I mean, I believe that the hottest name that we've seen recently on the coaching circuit, and I know that, you know, a lot of talks have been going into that Atlanta position, but Joe Brady is a hot name. Um, and I don't think that Atlanta situation hasn't wrapped up at this point yet, right? Because I know he was the the number one candidate for that. But, um, I mean, that's really the hottest name in the coaching circuit right now. So I believe that that wouldn't be a bad look, man, when you can, you know, put a, a QB in that, a young quarterback in that type of system. You can potentially go and grab a receiver that Joe Brady worked with in, in a Jamar Chase Um I, I wouldn't see that as a as a bad fit. So I think that he could be on the top of pretty much any list at this point, uh, head coaching wise. 
Yeah, and Eric Bianami. I hate to see him go to a oh, situation yeah. like that. Uh, he's been one of those hot names, like you mentioned, uh, like, like a Joe Brady. But, you know, I would hate to see him go to a situation like that where the, where the front office just feel and the ownership just feels as though they have to have every single control. It's like you bring these guys in to make the right decision and to advise. Uh, but ultimately, you got to let the guys do their thing as to why Why wouldn't you just – why wouldn't you um, – you know, why would you hire him in the first place? Um, so that brings into another, speaking of ownerships that, that have issues, is that the Houston Texan, man. We talked about Houston, the Houston Rockets, the NBA franchise there. We said Houston, there's a problem. Now it seems yeah. like there's a problem in NFL, which which the burning question in my soul is, what is wrong with these Houston ownership groups that they can't get it right? But you have a disgruntled Deshaun Watson and Deshaun Watson, you know, he's upset mainly. You know, there's been rumored that he's asking for a trade he wants out of Houston. And, you know, he just got paid, which could run into – so he could run into some issues. But, you know, some leadership things, I guess the timeline of it, as you saw when he walked up the field in week 17, how, you know, J.J. Watt, the leader of their team, is just telling him, hey, look, man, we – you know, we let you down. It's no way we, we should have 11 wins. And then you see down the timeline where the rumors say that Deshaun Watson is frustrated that he was promised that he would be a part of the GM search and the head coach first and how he actually wanted to interview Eric Bionami. And it didn't happen for the Chiefs offense coordinator and he wasn't a part of it. You know, it, it's a messy, messy breakup, especially when you have a, a transitional talent like Deshaun Watson, who is obviously a, a proven leader, you know, he's the heart and soul of that Houston team. And it just seems like he wants away from that. And it's because of the same points that we mentioned, ownership, just having a hand on the franchise and just not, you know, giving control to the franchise quarterback. You know, what are your thoughts about Houston and how can you correct that? And is this just, do you think that ultimately Deshaun will be on another team? Um. Well, what I think about Houston, first of all, is that, we know the damage that Bill O'Brien did with that organization. <laughs> oh and gosh. there's there's no way that you can have a franchise guy and take away his number one weapon and not surround him with guys that can get it done. That's a big part of why we see Mahomes being the Mahomes that we see. We know that Mahomes, talent-wise, may be the best quarterback we've ever seen. He's the best that I say I've seen. But Deshaun Watson is, is on that tier or like right under yeah, whatever you right want to on. say he yeah. he's in that discussion yeah. and so if you surrounded him with those right kind of weapons let's just say if you put Deshaun in that Kansas City situation we would be looking at Deshaun and saying man he might be yeah. the best you know so yeah. so I think that it's been a, a big flaw in roster construction over there which is something that we already know something that we've already covered as far as if I think he's going to get moved or not I'm still going to say I ultimately don't think he gets moved. I think it's it's difficult when you've invested that kind of money into a guy. I know that they there's going to be suitors out there and people that will be willing to, to put up a good bit for him. <laughs> but, um, but I think it's just tough when you have a guy like that to just say, okay, I'm going to move on from this guy. Um, now, I do know that, of course, we've both heard the rumors of Miami being a potential situation. And so if you get a Tua involved in that trade and you feel like maybe I can invest my future in a young guy in Tua and see him grow, um, 
just seeing Tua in his first year, I'm not writing Tua off in any regard, but I don't see Deshaun Watson-esque ability mm-hmm. in Tua. So it's very difficult to have a guy like Deshaun Watson, a QB like that, and to say, okay, I'm going to move on from this guy. I think that as a team, they have to do everything in their power to go and surround him with the talent that he needs to be surrounded by. Don't give up on it just yet. Don't ship him off just yet. You have a a generational, a transcendent talent. And so, like I would say, I don't think that ultimately he'll get moved just specifically because of that, but it's going to be a very interesting situation. Uh. I think you have to make that situation right when that's the franchise and you got a whole city on on his back. Because if you pull Deshaun, depending on what you're going to get back in in reception, but when you said getting Tua back, if you pull Deshaun out of that, you're basically in a rebuild. Yeah. You know, you got a David Johnson who is injury riddled, was injury riddled this season. He was was up and down this season. You got a Brandon Cooks who – I don't know. Maybe his best years are behind him. You know, he's effective, but he's not who he was when he was with the Saints. Um, and he's let a lot of good years get get behind him. But, I mean, and then T.J. Watt all but said, I want out of here too. T.J. Watt, Mr. Houston himself. You know, he didn't say that he want to leave, but ultimately everything that he's saying, he's not happy with the roster construction. He's not happy with the mentality in that locker room. And he feeds into Deshaun Watson's intimates. Then you got a guy, another guy, Andre Johnson, who tweeted out basically agreeing with Deshaun Watson moves and said, hold your ground. You feel like you want to get out of there? Feel that way and, you know, put your foot on their throats because I've been – I know how you feel. I was a star receiver that wasn't surrounded around talent that never was able to make that next tier. My best years was wasted. So – I mean, it, 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 I hope they figure it out because I'm, I'm a fan of Deshaun Watson, but I don't blame Deshaun Watson one bit. You take the best receiver in the in the league debatably away from me, and I'm the yeah. best, one of the best quarterbacks debatably in the league, something's up and not yeah. return, you know? So, it, you know, Bill O'Brien yeah. did a number, but. And I think what's even tougher is that you could have potentially gotten your DeAndre Hopkins replacement in this draft, but your first round pick is gone because you traded that into Miami in the Tunsil deal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you looking at a wide receiver class where they really, the Texans would have had, I think, the number three pick in this draft. So you would have been able to pick between Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith, either one of those two guys that you want. Even if you want to even consider Jalen Waddle, you would have had your pickings of those guys. But once again, the deal that was made in the past, now you don't even have that option. So yeah. Bill O'Brien just <laughs> single-handedly yeah. wrecked their franchise with his questionable decisions. But, yeah, I mean, we, we I think it was worth talking about, man. We had to discuss it. Uh, so that leads me to question, uh, we're in the coaching carousel. Man, you think the listeners loving this bonus content here, man? Yeah, yeah, definitely. definitely. Are we about to start a new, a new, a new segment? Bonus <laughs> content, right? Uh, all right, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this off the fly, man. And I, I know that you're good at this, so I'm gonna keep it, keep it going here. Uh, just bear with me for a second. One second, one second, one second. Let me get, let me pull it up. I'm sorry, I should be more prepared. Talk about it's all good, line. man. It's all good, man. It's it's just gonna be interesting to see uh, how all this shakes out. Like we said with Deshaun Watson, 
Uh, I do think that the Miami situation is interesting. They do have the capital to go and get him. Uh, so if, if they really decide to put everything into it, you might see him uh, in a Miami Dolphins uniform, but we'll see. Well, you know, my rule of thumb too, Ramon, is that I always say if your best player is unhappy, trade him. I mean, if you, if you, if you, if you, if it's, if it's a situation where it's uh, irreconcilable, if that's a word, yeah, I say trade him because if you know, at this point, you your franchise is unhappy. Your franchise guys unhappy. But what what will happen is that you, if you're not a do it right, if you, if your name is David Griffin, I know that we're talking switching sports yeah, here. Right. But if you're a GM and a great mind like him, or yeah. you know, if you're a good GM like Nikki Loomis that we have, right. you can turn your franchise guy into some pieces to where you don't have to just do a hundred percent rebuild that you can right. get some get some uh, players back. But moving on in, in last time tra- just transition in this bonus bonus content segment, I wanna just rack your brain for that. There's some destinations of teams that need some head coaches or uh, that need some head coaches in this league. Uh so I'm gonna I'm gonna play a game with you. Out of the names that I'm mentioning right now, where do you feel is the best destination? I will I will go I will go if you want to go first. You can go first. If you want me to go first, you'll go first. But I'm gonna list. I'm gonna list some some franchises that is in need of some uh, need of a coach. Uh, And the question is, what is the best destination for a coach? So, of course, we got the Jets. We got the Jaguars. Who's who's gonna have the first pick in this upcoming NFL draft? You have the Texans. You got the Chargers. You got the Lions. You got the Falcons, and you got the Eagles recently. All franchises that are in need of a quarterback. If I'm a head coach, if I'm a talented young guy, my name is buzzing like a Joe Brady or Eric uh, Bieniemy. Outside of my first choice being to stay where I'm at, um, what 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 job would you be looking forward to the most? And you said I can go first. Uh so it, since I'm going first, I think that I would. It's out of the Chargers and the Jaguars to me. Yeah, I agree. I, yes, I agree. But I'm agree cheating there. I'm cheating there. So I'm I'm gonna go charges because I've seen what Justin Herbert can do. I've seen uh offensive rookie player of the year this year. Uh he really didn't miss a beat uh since since uh he stepped in as a starter. Uh he, he wasn't he, he didn't look rattled at all. If you're that far ahead of the game at that young age with your first year, mm-hmm. man, you, you're really going to be a great franchise quarterback. I mean, you think about uh, Ben Roethlisberger, his rookie season. You think at least, at minimum, rather how you feel about Ben. But you, you, you think about um, just any quarterback, uh, you know, even um, when you think about uh, Manning in, in the yeah. first year that he had, um, just just how Peyton Manning, the rookie season he, he had, I mean, he said it. He rewrote the record books this year yep. as his rookie year with the most touchdowns as a rookie. So, if I was a head coach and I got my franchise quarterback, which we know is the heart and soul of a franchise, the defense not too bad. They just got to get healthy on on that end uh, with, with uh, James and, and him and his health. Uh, is that is it, that's his name? Huh? Last name? Uh, guy uh, out of t- Florida State. Talking about uh, yeah. Um... Yeah, uh, I know you're talking about. And he's so good, and but he's been he's right been there. he's been injury injury yeah. prone. So, 
Is, is his last name James or is am I tripping? Derwin, Derwin, Derwin James. James yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know it's true. So I would like that Chargers job, man. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I I agree with you on that. I will actually take the other name that you mentioned uh, since you said it is is the Jags, and the reason why I would take it is similar reasons. Yeah. So you talked about you have your guy already in Herbert. With the Jags, you know you're about to have your guy in Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is viewed as the best QB prospect that we've seen and probably since Andrew Luck yeah. is what, you know, most of the draft experts are saying. And so um, – I believe that you automatically have your guy in Trevor Lawrence, but then you have so much cap space. Uh, you have the most cap space by far um, in the league this upcoming offseason. So you can instantly, like that's a situation that can turn around pretty quickly. And so if you have a guy that you can invest, let's just say the next 12 to 18 years or so, or we just go right down the middle and say 15 years in a, a starting quarterback, um, I believe that that's, you know, a place that would definitely be good to go. Uh, so, like you said, I, I think the charters are up there, but I would also take the Jags as a great spot to land as well. All right, man. And it's crazy to say that from a one-win team, you like yeah. a one-win team, yeah. a great spot to land, but, but it's just so much many a factors. That's what a quarterback can do for you, bro. Like, yeah. You know, and then you look at the Chargers, if you look at their record, it, it wasn't that good, but – they were in a lot of close games yeah. this year, and because of their youth and coaching, yeah. you know, it, you know, they of course they failed, but you know, it, yeah. It, and man. I mean, we know that injuries are a part of the game, but they were a very injury riddled team, like you mentioned. Yeah. So you know, if they get they get healthy, and you have Herbert, you know, only getting better from this point, uh, then I mean, that's an attractive spot to be. You, we pretty much at this point. We know what Herbert is, just like, you know, in the time we saw Joe Burrow, we know what he is. And so when you get those kind of guys, it, it's good to latch hold of that and say, you know, I, I'm going to go ahead and be a part of that because we know what QBs mean to teams. Yep. So I think that's it. That's it for real this time. Yeah, right. <laughs> No more, no bonus, bonus content. Look, like, look, nah. look, I tell the listeners this, man. We 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 could have shortchanged you, but because we love you, we went that <laughs> right. extra mile. <laughs> right. So we hope that you enjoyed it. If you lasted this long, make sure that you're following O underscore Benchwomers on Instagram. Make sure that you are subscribed to the to the podcast, Opinionated Benchwarmers on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher, some of the main platforms that we reside on. Shout out to our boy Los that was missing in action today, but we know that he's going to enjoy this episode just like everyone else. So shout out to him. And me and Ramon are going to go ahead and get out of here. Until the next time, we appreciate y'all. Later.